Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is David Kirby, co-founder and CEO of Avida Global, a medicinal cannabis company. When David, a classically trained pianist, realised he could follow his passion for jazz piano and have a lot of fun but be very poor, he switched direction. And after working in IT consultancy and with Shell looking after global projects, David was drawn to the more agile world of venture capitalism, working with technology startups. But it was at a fundraising day for a Canadian cannabis company that David and his soon-to-be co-founder, Carl Hafner, realised, as David says, the cannabis company knew no more about growing cannabis than we did. After researching the market, they felt the timing was right and tried to persuade Carl's father-in-law, one of Colombia's largest cattle farmers, to set aside some of his land to grow cannabis. And we'll find out his initial reaction very shortly. Nevertheless, Avida Global was launched in the summer of 2018 with a dedicated growing facility in the northeast of Colombia near the Venezuelan border, producing 40 kilograms of medicinal grade cannabis oil per month for the global medical, well-being and cosmeceutical markets. There's a word. It's lovely to have you here. This is a business which is still in its baby days. It's still kind of a toddler, as it were, and yet it's growing super fast. Tell me that day, which I mentioned earlier, that day when you were like there looking at fundraising, you went, hold on a second, we can do that. Tell me why it didn't fall apart and why we're here talking and you're well-funded and yeah. you've actually made it happen. So first of all, I'd say we're more like an adolescent than a toddler yeah. in terms of where we are, okay. but um, I'll come to that. But yeah, in terms of how it didn't fall apart, you know, my colleague Carl rang his father-in-law and said, you know, can we grow a medicinal cannabis on your land? And, of course, his father-in-law comes from, he's Colombian, and he's lived through the history of Colombia, and he just put the phone down and said, no. <laughs> and of, uh, but he's a very smart businessman. He read the newspapers, did some research, looked on the internet, found out what the Colombian government were doing around regulation and the fantastic opportunity in medicinal cannabis. And next day, picked the phone up and said, yes. <laughs> and, um, and that was the start of it, really. And then next, we were on a flight to Colombia, and at that moment in time, you had been, as I looked at your history, you know, proper hard consultancy roles, serious, I would call them institutional roles, but obviously, you know, people are very entrepreneurial in these, in these roles, many, many people. And now you run your own show. That's quite a shift. But was it something that you had contemplated over many, many years of, of working? And therefore um, it wasn't, you know, somebody was always an epiphany. Was it more of a, at some point, I'm just going to do this? Yeah, no, I mean, I've never thought of it like that. What I, what I did do is spot an opportunity when you see one. And I've spent years working with startup businesses and, you know, helping them grow, et cetera. And you know a good business when you see one. And this was a fantastic opportunity. And it was an industry where there were some questionable people in the industry. And so to set up a business that actually does it properly was a great opportunity and one not to be resisted. And initially, I was going to be part-time doing it, help set it up. But it just became so successful that I was quickly 100%, 120% of my time. And it's been great fun. I just want to take you back to Colombia. You land in Colombia. You, you meet your partner's father-in-law. You go and see the land. 
what was your sense then? Were you sizing things up or were you quite relaxed and just going with the flow? You know, how how nervous and how structured were you in your thinking then versus how open were you to what might evolve? I think from where we are now, I look back and probably quite naive really in terms of what we were doing. I mean, it was a sense of excitement. I'd never been to Latin America before, let alone Colombia. It is a stunningly beautiful country. I mean, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And where we are is right at the, where the Andes end. And it is just stunning. And every time I go back, I still have to pinch myself because it's so beautiful. But um, it was really just a getting to know Colombia. You know, there's lots of regulation we have to go through. First thing we did was get ourselves a lawyer in Bogota, Raul, who's now become a personal friend. You know, he's great. He guided us through the regulation and getting all the licenses which took us 18 months to get those. And then um, gradually established a team in, in Colombia. The first guys we got was a lovely, um, was great friend now, Carlos Orbigozo, who comes from the pharmaceutical background. And then Ricardo Ricci, who's our master grower. So it's a bit like the wine industry where you have someone that understands the crop. And I mean, he's just an amazing individual, where both of them are. And they helped us design what is a world-class facility. And now looking back over that time and, and you talk about these people, I've listened to you talking to other people about the family that you've created, the Avida family. What is it that binds them now? Because I, I know the ambition is to be a properly integrated, you know, from, from growing all the way through to selling and merchandising and so on. Where do they all fit in this journey that you're all on? I suppose that we're all on this adventure together and it all share the same sense of purpose. You know, our strap line for the business is about quality of life. And, you know, it is an amazing plant in terms of what it can do and help people, you know, both on the well-being side but on the medical side as well. And, you know, we just all got on as friends. You know, we had this um, very clear vision of what we wanted to do, what we wanted to create, and everybody was on board with that. And it is fantastic because in Colombia we talk about the Avida family. We're 65 people now in Colombia and everyone that joins effectively joins the family, as it were, and the same in the UK and Europe as well with our team here. And in terms of team, obviously you've worked for many, many years, 20, 30 years before you moved into this in all these different um, roles that I alluded to. People always talk about the importance of the team and collaboration and all those other things, and it's very, it's sort of easy, easy talk. In your experience, what is it that you try to create? How do you create a team that really works? Because teams in startups are absolutely critical. No, totally. I mean, being a musician, I always use the analogy of the orchestra, and you're effectively the, the conductor in this. But, you know, within the orchestra, there are people that are far better than you at their instruments, better violinists, better clarinetists, what have you. But your job is to get the best out of them, bring it all together and have it all singing as one voice. And how do you do that, David? There's just a couple of just the things that David Kirby goes about doing in a, in a way that ensures that that happens. Because again, people do use that analogy, but I, I'm interested in what that really looks like when there's a complex issue on the table and it's international because you're over here and, and they're over there in Latin America. Yeah, I don't know. My, my style has been sort of very egalitarian and, and, you know, I don't like hierarchies and, you know, you report to me type thing. So... You know, there is such talent in our business and, you know, if you give the environment of which people can really shine, you get the best out of everybody and, and the team. I mean, there's, there's loads of them are fantastic, you know, far better at all of this than, than I am. And, you know, and it's just getting everybody working together and playing to their best. 
Stay with me for much more from my guest. It's David Kirby. He's the co-founder of Avida Global, and they're in the cannabis business. And it is a business that's getting a lot bigger globally by the day. Much more coming up from him shortly. But right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Innovation Series, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Natasha Knight invites business founders to share their industry insights and practical advice for those of you thinking about getting into any particular industry and starting your very own thing, as David here has. In this clip, from a conversation on the supply chain, ethics and manufacturing, we hear from Flora Davidson, co-founder of Supply Compass, the end-to-end fashion software changing the way that brands and manufacturers work together. The Mishcon Innovation Series. Insights from founders for your future business. In association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Dereya. Don't try to come in and like disrupt with big new ideas. Like it is a intricate and global, um, very complicated industry and more complex rather than complicated. And so things like when you're trying to change a system, it won't happen overnight and be comfortable with that and work on the bit that you want to change. But also like because you're working with so many different types of organisations across the world, across different experiences, different cultures, you have to be sensitive to that and understand that change in your perspective might look really different and have different impact on those from other places and experiences. So go, it's not delicately, but just be curious and sensitive with your curiosity on that journey. The Mishcon Innovation Series, in association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Dereya. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. All our former business shapers await you on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, just ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find a taster of our recent shows. But back to today, it's David Kirby, co-founder and CEO of Avida Global, a medicinal cannabis company. For those people, David, that don't know about the qualities of cannabis, and this isn't sort of a, here's the advert about how fantastic this thing is, just explain in, in simple language when it became clear that you could use this plant in a way that was not going to have all the side effects that the drug that, that people use would have and that could actually be used in medicinal medicinal ways. I mean, obviously, people knew about this thousands of years ago, I'm guessing. Yeah, well, I was going to say the glib answer is that it became clear thousands of years ago when the Chinese were using it, you know, in Asia. And then in the 60s, with the draconian crackdown on drugs by the, the US at the time, it got classed as a narcotic, banned. And uh, I mean, in Victorian times, Victorian ladies used to go to chemists to buy cannabis then. So it's always been known in terms of what it's capable of. But the the research has really accelerated since the 90s. There was a gentleman in Israel called Dr. Raphael Mechelim, who uh, he was the one that discovered the endocannabinoid system, which is a system in your body which controls reactions to various things. You've got receptors in your body. And the cannabis plant uh, has a cannabinoid system which maps directly onto the endocannabinoid system in your body. So it can either enhance the receptors or block the receptors 
And he started discovering all the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. And everybody's heard of CBD. That is just one of about 121 different cannabinoids. And they all have a, a different purpose or together they can do different things from, you know, anxiety, sleep deprivation, pain relief. I mean, there's studies going on in long COVID, PTSD, Parkinson's, epilepsy, and so on. And I think the reason it's not accepted as quickly now as it is is because it's the crossover between, I suppose, Eastern medicine and Western medicine. Western medicine's always been single molecule, take this pill, whereas Eastern medicine's been about the whole plant extract. But, you know, eventually people will get it. There's a, a groundswell of research, very capable people that are driving this, both in the UK and globally as well. The interesting thing as, as, as an entrepreneur in this space is, of course, though, because there's that that fight, cultural fight between it being legal, not legal, and people sort of saying, oh, yeah, the research, whatever, and you know, doctors not necessarily wanting to prescribe it, it means that you're in a heavily regulated business. And, and that must be right anyway for all sorts of, you know, you know anything you put in your body or that you, you put on your body, you want to make sure it's safe. The regulation you referred to, the 18 months it took in Colombia and so on, how do you balance the need for creativity and to you know, think about how you sell really interesting products, which I want you to talk about as well, with that need for also to be scrupulous and to be utterly thorough about what it is that you're having to kind of abide by. Because some people may just say, it's just not worth the effort. But you haven't. You've gone through that and you continue to. So how is it that you managed to do both things? Well, I think when we got into it, we we took the decision that this was for the, the long term. There were lots of people getting into cannabis at the time thinking it was called the green rush, thinking there's a, a quick buck to be made here. And lots of corners were cut and, you know, those companies really aren't around anymore. And it was about building a business that had integrity, not cutting corners. I mean, we were heavily guided by Carlos and Ricardo in terms of how we should shape this business and all the processes and facilities that we could put in place. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I have to admit it was quite frustrating because it was taking longer than I expected. But it's been worthwhile because we just have a world-class facility now. And in terms of the people that have gone on the journey with you, investors, the story to them, is it relatively straightforward when you tell this? And, you know, you say there is a long-term play here. Because obviously you've raised a fair amount of money. There's, you know, this is like capital-intensive work if you're building plants and you're creating products and so on. How have you found their levels of receptiveness over the last few years? It's been extremely positive. We have a fantastic shareholder base. Um, most of them have gone on the journey with us, you know, reinvesting in, in the business. Probably a frustration is that it's taken longer than expected, but we're dealing with an organic product here in a very, very highly regulated market. But... We're now right at a tipping point. Countries are starting to change, both in Latin America and Europe, etc. We're in full-scale production now. We've actually acquired some businesses as well, and we're seeing great growth in the business. So, you know, there couldn't be a better time to invest in this business as now. That wasn't an advert, though, so it's okay. Don't <laughs> so I'll leave my phone number after. Yeah, so. you can send the, your money to the following number. I'll just put Elliot.moss in front of it. That'd be great. And then Dave and I will square it off later. The products that you start to make, are they dictated by, this may be an obvious question, it's a bit like thousands of years of knowing that cannabis kind of makes people feel better, but are they dictated by the things that they fix or are they dictated by the market that might be there for the problems, if that makes sense. You know, where does where does solution and problem meet in terms of how you're looking at developing the Avida global lineup? I think it's a bit of both, actually. So 
we talk about cannabis, but there are thousands and thousands of different strains. So um, we've got a lot of genetics that we grow, and it can be from high THC products, which is the psychoactive side of things, which is very good for work in neurotherapy or anxiety through to high CBD or balance. And there are literally thousands of different strains. And so around the world, there's lots of research going on, you know, in Tel Aviv, in the UK, in Colombia. We're involved in research in Colombia as well, looking at, you know, what works for what. And it isn't one size fits all. You know, being a plant-based solution, often it's not one thing, but it's a whole variety of things and how you take it, volumes, etc. So, yeah. So there's no sort of science on its own in the sense that there's a bit of an art to which product will go next because it's important to have a product that, that develops followership, if you like, and that does well, obviously, but that says something about the things you're trying to do beyond the product itself. Yeah, no, I mean, the science is, is developing all the time and it is becoming much, much more, more accurate. For example, we're working with an American company that do DNA genetic sequencing but then they couple that together with years and years of research on cannabis. And so as an individual, you, know, you can take a DNA test and then you know, they can say as you know, for this type of individual, your weight, sex, what have you, this is the amount or the, this is what you should take, be it a balanced product or high CBD or high THC and the amount that you should take. And the whole industry is in desperate need of education because there are many GPs out there that would really like to prescribe this and lots of patients asking their GPs, can you prescribe this? And um, it is largely a lack of education that they don't know what to do or how to do it. As you're speaking, David, it's clear that you've got the macro picture sort of mapped out, role of education, role of science, importance of processes, team over there. Sometimes I meet people who are at the beginning of their journey in business and they've had a couple of years. You've obviously had a full career. Where, where do you sit for you in terms of that distinction between many years seeing thousands of problems and the benefits that it brings versus very few years and almost sort of naively bumping into things. I mean, I'm not saying it's a right or wrong, but you've met a lot of entrepreneurs. What's your sense of your own view of what really works in terms of becoming an entrepreneur? Does it matter that it's immediate? Does it, is it better that it's 30 years later? Um, no, I mean, it's certainly not 30 years later, but, you know, is having a, a clear vision, sense of purpose in terms of what, what you're doing. But you're calm as well. I mean, that's the thing I really, I suppose I wanted to say, you know, well, there's a... Talk, talk to my wife. Well, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> what we do. Our other, our, our other halves, um, husbands and wives who have got partners who are entrepreneurs or whatever, yeah. of course, have got the real story. But my sense is you're calm generally about the business. Does that come from experience of just life? as well as business. I mean, it's a bit like the swan analogy, I suppose, I'm gliding along the surface, but, you know, underneath, you know, I'm paddling like, hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it comes about through having a great team around you as well, which gives you confidence that we can solve problems. But, you know, I just have such confidence that we are on the, the right journey and what we're doing. And, you know, I've been in lots of businesses and worked for many, many years. But, you know, one, I've never worked as hard as I have in the last three years and gone through the ups and downs that I've been through in the last three years. But it's also the most exciting thing I've ever done. That's pretty good, isn't it? There's a good piece of news for you if you're thinking about doing your own thing. Final chat coming up with my guest is David Kirby. And we've got a gem from OV. Right, that's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. David Kirby is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. 
you talked about it being an exciting place and you you know you've been able to sort of construct this business from scratch and create it in a, in an image that you want to and sometimes it's hard because people get off on the wrong footing and all those other things you've Im- embedded i think a purpose a sense of values in the business which is it goes to the benefits of the product but it also goes to about i think that looks like the benefits of you as a business on the local community and on the wider world those sense of values is that just come from what was obvious to you on this project or has that come from a sense of wanting to do something good always in your working life? No, it's a, a sense of wanting to give back, really. And um, when you arrive in a country like Colombia, you know, you're in Bogota, it's a, you know very rich cities, but you go to rural communities and it's very poor. And what we didn't want to do was set up a business in that country without giving back. So right from the beginning, we started a local charity called the Avida Foundation, which is looking at helping with local education, local enterprise, the environment, and and arts and culture. And we've sponsored a lot of things. We've helped rebuild a school, which all the farmers' children go to. We've given them satchels. And during COVID, they had a very strict lockdown in in Colombia, and we helped with food parcels for lots of families that had, had to stop working. So, you know, it's been incredibly effective, but also really good. And when you get out there and see the school that we've helped, it's, um, you know, it is very heartwarming to see that and um, how the community appreciates what you're doing rather than just get in there, make money and move it out of the country. And Carl, your partner's father, is still happily involved? Well, he's not, he's not involved. He's still um, uh, raising his cattle in other places now okay. and, um, and does various other things. He's been hugely supportive of us and, and watched this whole thing grow from you know, what was a cattle field to now looks like a set from James Bond. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he's yeah, a lovely guy. How often do you get to go out there to Colombia? Um, so pre-lockdown, I was going out probably once every six weeks, you know, eight journeys a, a year. But during lockdown, was not able to get there and um, had my first trip four weeks ago, which was just fantastic to be back because, you know, they're literally all my friends out there. But, you know, we've gone from when I was last out there two years ago, eight people, and now it's 65 people and all very proud of what they've created. And in terms of the growth trajectory where you're, where you're shaping things going forward, are you envisaging this is going to be a rapid growth in the size of the team or is there a plan to say, no, no, it's an incremental piece? Just interested in sort of, you've talked about it, we're at a tipping point. I'm just wondering how, you've, how fast scaling up is um, to you. Yeah, so in Colombia, it'll be fairly rapid growth of the team as we, we scale up in terms of rolling out more greenhouses, etc. In Europe, um, less so. Um, we have a smaller team in Europe, about 20 people, you know, very, very skilled team. But we're also going through a process of acquisition as well. So, you know, buying companies, you know, you take on a number of people with that. So we will still see step changes in the business as we go forward. Quite a lot to keep you busy then. With. Very. Yeah. It's been really nice talking to you, David. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Good luck with the big band stuff that you're doing currently. I hope that goes well. You can enjoy your Horace Silver um, and other numbers, I'm sure, <laughs> other standards. Um, just before I let you go, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So it's a sax player called Bob Berg and probably chose it for two reasons, or three reasons, actually. One is probably one of the best sax players that ever lived and it's just a wonderful solo. Two, I saw him at Ronnie Scott's in a band called The Four Walls of Freedom just before he was tragically killed in a road accident. And three... 
when I lived in Holland for two years, it was a very difficult time of my life, sort of transition period of my life. And I used to just get on my bike and cycle up to the coast with headphones on, listening to this, which was just, just took me away. That was Bob Berg with Some Time Ago, the song choice of my business shaper today, David Kirby. He talked about being an egalitarian, how important it is to listen to voices, especially those of the people who are smarter than you, doing their thing and making sure they can really bring an impact to the business. And beyond being egalitarian, he talked about the Avida family and the sense that the people that he had chosen to work with have become his friends. And finally, he talked about having a long-term view critical in any industry, but especially a new one that is trying to make its way in the world. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.